0: Amen. Turn your Bibles, if you will, to Hebrews chapter 11. We'll also look at Hebrews chapter 4 and maybe some other scriptures too, but uh, that'll give you a good jump on where we're headed and what we're going to talk about tonight. I've, uh, I've had some things that have been rolling over on my heart concerning the subject of faith uh, for several weeks, and it's uh, it's interesting um, to me that, uh, that the Lord has had me to... Uh, uh, really go back and study some of the basics on the subject of faith. And the reason that that's interesting to me is because those are things that I already know. Uh, it's, uh, I'm always amazed at people that are always getting something new. It seems to me that the Lord keeps taking me back to the things that already have been proven to work. not Something new. And it's rarely, the, uh, for me, it's never been a new revelation that put me over. It's always been acting on the truth that I heard. Foundational truths. That I heard from the Word. So I'm going to talk about some of the foundational truths tonight and specifically something that God's been dealing with me about regarding time and faith. Now, Hebrews chapter 11, verse 1 says, Now, faith is the substance of things hoped for and the evidence of things not seen. Notice the word now. Now, uh, the word now is really and or moreover. It's not talking about now, it's now in the sense of timing, it's not talking about present tense, it's not talking about any of those things. In fact, he's connecting some things that he just said in the previous verses, chapter uh, 10 and verse 38, now the just shall live by faith, but if any man draw back, my soul shall have no pleasure in him. And he's describing the kind of faith that the just are supposed to live by. But for the purpose of um, uh, provoking your thinking, I want you to look at the word now in the sense of present tense. Because even though that's not what he meant, I'll I'll prove it to you. Faith has to be in present tense to be workable for it to be effective. Now faith is. In other words, faith is now. It's it's a, a very common thing. As a matter of fact, it happened this morning. But it's a very common thing for people to come to me and say something like that they believe God's going to heal them. They believe God's going to heal them. I've even had people tell me, God told me that he's going to heal me. Folks, I hate to be the bearer of bad news, but God has never told anybody that he's going to heal them. From the time of Jesus' crucifixion, God has never told anybody that he's going to heal them. And anybody that thinks they have it is deceiving themselves. I don't doubt that that's what they want to hear. I don't doubt that that's what they want God to tell them. But God has never told anybody since Jesus was raised from the dead, crucified, And raised from the dead. He's never told anybody he's going to heal them. E.W. Kenyon said in one of his books. And he has many wonderful, wonderful books. He was a man born out of his time. And uh, he's been uh, misunderstood to a great degree by much of the church world. A lot of churches got the idea that he's involved in uh, metaphysical cults and spiritism and stuff like that. But you can't read his book on the name of Jesus and not know that the man loves Jesus with all of his heart. It's just a wonderful, wonderful book. Best book I've ever seen on the name of Jesus. It's called The Wonderful Name of Jesus. Um, But anyway, E.W. Kenyon made a statement one time that I read many, many years ago, decades ago. It's always stuck with me. And he said this. He said, most people are defeated by the tenses of God's word. Tenses, T-E-N-S-E-S, past tense, present tense, future tense, by the tenses of God's word. And he's talking about the very same thing that I'm relating to. Now notice in Hebrews 11.1, 1, he gives us definition of the kind of faith you're supposed to live by. Now faith is, faith is present tense. Now faith is the substance of things hoped for. Notice faith and hope can't be the same. Faith and hope can't be the same. And there's something that's interesting about hope is you always hope for something to come to pass. You never hope in present tense. You may have present tense hope for something in the future. But hope is never in the present tense. Hope is always, always finds the result in the future. For example, if I said, I'm going to give you $100, you might say, well, I hope so. But you would never say, I hope so when I handed you a $100 bill. Because hope is always out in the future. Once you have something, there's nothing to hope for regarding that. And a lot of times people put their hope in something based on the past. I've had people come to me and say, Pastor Michael, I want you to pray for my healing. I say, well, what do you believe? I'll always say, what does the word say? Or what are you believing for? Or something along those lines. Always ask the question. Because faith is the only means that there is to receive from God. If somebody wants to receive healing, they're going to have to have faith for it. And to do it some other way is to do it apart from the way God said that it works. God said, The word of God says that God sent his word and healed them. It doesn't say God gave you hope and healed you. It says God sent his word and healed you. So since faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word, the word has always got to be a part of the equation. So I'll always ask, what does the word say? Or what are you believing for according to the word? And I've had people say, Well, I believe God's going to heal me because he healed Uncle George. And I'll say, Who's Uncle George? Well, he's my uncle, and God healed him of cancer 22 years ago. He had the worst case of cancer that that the doctor said that ever seen, and God healed him. Well, that's good. I'm sure glad, and I rejoice with Uncle George. But that's no reason to put your faith in healing for you. See, some things are past tense because they're in the past and they don't do you any good. In, uh, I think it was 2007. We took a trip, a church trip to Israel, Jordan, and Egypt. And there were some things I wanted to see specifically in Egypt that were related to uh, Moses and Joseph and Bible stories and so forth. So we went, uh, we did visit the traditional Mount Sinai site, but there's no way in the world that could be the place where, where the children of Israel camped and God gave Moses the Ten Commandments. So I'd done some study and, and uh, come up on what I felt like or thought was, still do, but I thought it was close to the uh, Red Sea crossing. Well, you know the story of the Red Sea. You know where they were hemmed in on one side by mountains, and the the uh, other side was the army of Egypt, and behind them was the Red Sea. And you remember the story about how God told Moses to stretch his hand out over the sea, and it would part, and and it did, and they did. They went over on dry ground. Well, in two thousand and seven, we went to a place by the Red Sea, on the shore of the Red Sea. The name of the place is Nueva, and it's as close as we could get to what uh, uh, I believe the Bible identifies as the Red Sea Crossing location. Well, we stopped for lunch. Uh, We were on our way, going to cross over the border into the southern uh, passageway, southern, um, oh, what am I trying to say? We crossed from Egypt over into Israel, whatever the name of the place is, border crossing. And so anyway, we stopped for lunch a couple hours away from the the Israeli border and uh, stopped for lunch. And after lunch was over, I walked out onto the sand. There was this time of year there weren't many tourists there and that kind of thing. So I walked out on the sand. And you know what? The Red Sea did not part for me. I didn't stretch my hand out. I didn't want to look like a fool. But I stood there and just prayed and thought, Somewhere around here is where the Red Sea parted. Somewhere around here is where Moses stuck his hand out and parted the Red Sea. Well, knowing that Moses had done that, knowing that God had done that for Israel, didn't do a thing for me. Now, I can use the principle of what God did to deliver his people back then to know that the character and the nature of God who never changes would be to deliver his people now. And if I needed something... Just as miraculous and just as spectacular for him to deliver me as they needed back then. I could expect and believe God for that. But I can't base my faith on the past. Unless something was done in the past that covers the present. And the Red Sea Crossing is something that was done in the past that does not cover the present. Other than to show us the character and the nature of the present tense character and the nature of God. So faith cannot be based in the past in that sense. And faith cannot be based in the future. In other words, now faith is. The kind of faith that pleases God is the kind of faith that believes now. Not believes that God's going to do something. Not the kind of faith that believes just because God did do something, something else is going to happen. I asked that person that told me about Uncle George. I said, well, how did Uncle George get healed? And they they said, well, they got the whole church to pray. And I guess there was enough people praying that God heard and answered their prayer. And Uncle George got healed. So then I asked this question. I said, is Uncle George the only person that that church prayed for to be healed? Oh, no, they had to pray for people to be healed all the time. Did all those people get healed? They got a blank look on their face and said, well, no, they didn't. Then how can you put your faith in the, in the whole church praying for Uncle George to get healed to be the answer for you being healed? Well, I wasn't telling her what she wanted to hear. I was trying to get her to see that if she believed the word, she could get her faith over in the present tense. But I never even got that far. She got mad at me and spit and and sputtered and stomped off, and that was the end of that. But folks, there is a past tense to faith. There is a past tense basis for faith. But it has to be the past tense action that covers the present. Now, now faith is. Now faith is. Faith can't be relegated to the future. And notice it says in verse 6 of Hebrews 11, it says, without faith, in other words, faith that's now, faith that's present tense. Without faith, the kind of faith that's present tense, it's impossible to please God. I'm certain that a lot of people think they're pleasing God by thinking that God's going to heal them. I'm just as convinced of that as I can possibly be. I'm certain that there's a lot of Christians that just know, would swear up and down would not be talked out of their belief that they are pleasing to God by believing that God's going to heal them. But the Bible says without present tense faith, without the kind of faith that's now, it's impossible to please him. Because, it gives you the reason, for, because, he that comes to God must believe that he is. Not that he will be. Not that he will do. Must believe that he is and that he's a rewarder of them that diligently seek him. Even that speaks to the present tense. Now, what kind of faith is it? Or maybe I should say it this way what conditions identify that we're believing in the present tense? Well, turn with me to Mark chapter 11. I know I told you Hebrews chapter 4, but we'll get back there. Notice Mark chapter 11. I believe Jesus must have known something about faith. So let's see what he had to say about it. Mark chapter 11. Jesus has cursed the fig tree. In the preceding verses. And the next morning the disciples see the fig tree dried up from the roots. They heard him say the day before. No man eat fruit of thee hereafter forever. And Jesus explains. Peter brings it to his attention. And says master the fig tree which you've cursed is withered away. There's an implied question. How'd that happen? And Jesus must understand the question that's being implied because he answers, verse 22, have faith in God. Have faith in God. In other words, the tree changed, the circumstances concerning the tree and Jesus' relationship with the tree changed by this thing called faith. By this thing called faith. Now, notice what Jesus said to it. Jesus said to it, No man eat fruit of thee hereafter forever. This is in verse 14. No man eat fruit of thee hereafter forever. Notice he did not say, God, please do something about this tree. Notice he did not say, I believe this tree will die. He spoke something that was now. No man eat fruit of thee hereafter forever. In other words, he's saying, this is your last moment tree. Something changes now. Next morning, the fig trees dried up from the roots. Peter calls it into question, calls it to Jesus' attention. Jesus said, have faith in God. So faith that Jesus used concerning the tree is to speak to the circumstances as if they change now. Speak to the circumstances in a manner that they change now. I can't emphasize enough, Jesus did not say, I believe, that because I'm the son of God and my father loves me, that something bad will happen to this tree because it didn't provide for me. He spoke to the circumstances in the present tense. No man eat fruit of thee hereafter forever. From this point forward, this is a dead tree concerning fruit. Well, the tree literally dies. Which must have been Jesus' intent. And then he tells us how this faith thing works. He tells us that faith works the same way that he put it to work in verse 23. For verily I say unto you, that whosoever shall say unto this mountain, in other words, this thing called faith, which was exhibited, Jesus defined it as faith and was exhibited or evidenced by the words that Jesus spoke to the circumstance. Jesus said that it doesn't just work on trees, it'll work on any problem. He uses something as big as a mountain, something as impossible as a mountain to show forth the principle of faith. He said, verily I say unto you that whosoever shall say unto this mountain, be thou removed and be thou cast into the sea. Notice he's talking to the mountain now or tells us to talk to the mountains. Just like he spoke to the fig tree, he's saying speak to your circumstance. Speak to your situation. What do you tell the mountain? Be thou removed and be thou cast into the sea. Be removed from hindrance, from being a hindrance to you. He's saying circumstance, change now. Be thou removed and be thou cast into the sea. And then he gives the qualifications. He gives the conditions. He says, and shall not doubt in his heart. Now, without taking a month to talk about what it means to doubt in your heart, your heart is spoken of as your spirit, to represent your spirit. And he's saying, shall not doubt in your spirit, which means independent of your five physical senses. Believing with the heart means to believe, with your five, believe independent of your five physical senses. To doubt in your heart means to believe according to what you can see and feel, according to your five physical senses. So he says, no matter what it looks like, no matter what it feels like, if you don't doubt in your heart, Don't speak to the contrary of the words that you've already spoken to the mountain, the circumstance. But shall believe that those things which he saith shall come to pass. He shall have whatsoever he saith. Brother Hagin used to call this having faith in your faith. Having faith in your faith. Some people have a problem with that that phrase. And so I prefer to say it this way. He's right. Brother Hagin's right. You do need to have faith in your faith. But the reason is not because of who you are or the strength of your own words, but because God's Word says that if you believe with your heart and say with your mouth, your words will come to pass. Therefore, in my case and in my own life, I try to stick to saying what God's Word says because that way I can have faith in the seed, not just faith in my faith. Now, that doesn't always work. The Word of God doesn't always cover your situation, but for the most part, it will. Most of the things we need to pray for and most of the circumstances in our lives that we need to speak to are covered by the word. Not all of them, but most of them. So when you speak the word, you have complete confidence or can have complete confidence that God's word in your lips or on your lips, spoken by your tongue, confessed with your mouth, will come to pass. Why? Because of you? No, because of the integrity of God's word. Because God's word has power. Then he tells us about how this thing called faith works in prayer. Verse 24. Therefore I say unto you. Because the principle of faith is to believe with your heart and say with your mouth. Therefore I say unto you. What things soever you desire. When you pray believe that you receive them and you shall have them. Now again this works in any area. The principle is something that works in any and every area of life. But this is healing school. And so let's confine it to healing for the purpose of our discussion tonight whosoever desires healing when you pray believe that you receive healing and you shall have healing when you pray believe you receive healing and you shall have healing now remember where we started what kind of faith is it that is the substance of things hoped for what kind of faith is it that pleases god and this is the only kind of faith that does folks it's the faith that believes god heard and answered your prayer The only kind of faith that pleases God, the only kind of faith that produces results, is the faith that believes that God heard and answered your prayer when you prayed. Not that God will do something, but that God heard and answered your prayer. When you pray, believe that you receive healing and you shall have healing. And notice having healing is in the future. Having healing is not in the present tense. Well, then what are we supposed to believe? That God's going to do something? Now we're supposed to believe that God heard and answered our prayer. Now, what's the final result? What's the end result of that? You'll have healing. But that's in God's hands. Now, turn with me over to Hebrews chapter uh, 4. Let me show you how these things relate together. Hebrews chapter 4. I believe that Paul is the writer of the book of Hebrews. And he says some things that, that are very interesting that I think a lot of times people miss. He's talking about the, the children of Israel who died in the wilderness because of their unbelief. talking about in chapter 3 about the uh, instance of the wilderness experience. And then he says in verse 1, Let us therefore fear... Lest the promise being left us of entering into his rest, any of you should seem to come short of it. One translation says, and literally the Greek language means in this, take care that you don't come a day late and a dollar short, as we might say in English, of the promises of God. That's what coming short means. In other words, there are things that we need to guard against so that we don't fail to receive. And then he says in verse 2, for unto us was the gospel priest, as well as unto them. Now the gospel means good news. The good news for them was that God had given them the promised land. the good news for us is that Jesus uh, was made a curse for us and redeemed us from the curse of the law. For unto us was the gospel priest as well as unto them, but the word preached did not profit them. Why not? Not being mixed with faith in them that heard it. In other words, he's saying, here's how you come short of the promises of God. Don't mix faith with them. And here's the answer why so much of the church world is in a quandary. I just don't understand why God didn't hear and answer my prayer because you didn't mix faith with it. That's the only requirement that the Bible gives for getting what the Word of God says you can have, for obtaining the promise of God in your life. Well, what if we fail? Pastor Mike, we all fail. Well, we all may all have failure experience, but the only cause for failure is not mixing faith with the word, no matter what that looked like in your situation or what it looked like in mine and Most people, if they 're honest, will own up to the fact that they didn't mix faith and recognize that they didn't really mix faith in the prayer that they prayed. You have some people bless their hearts that get all upset and twisted out of joint about things that, that happened that they prayed about and it didn't work and so forth. But if you really analyze it, bring it down into the final analysis, most people are honest enough to admit, well, yeah, I can see that I wasn't really in faith about that. So the word preached unto them didn't profit them because they didn't mix faith with it. Now notice what mixing faith with it means in verse 3. For we which have believed do enter into rest. For we which have believed do enter into rest. Now this has got to be the same kind of faith that he's talking about the just are supposed to live by. This has got to be the same kind of faith that produces results. This has got to be the same kind of faith that God is pleased with. So the faith that pleases God, the faith that gets results, the faith that receives the promises of God is the faith that enters into rest. Now what does that mean? Well, let's keep reading a little bit. Skip down a few verses. We won't read the whole thing. But he's talking about um, um, the principle of rest. In verse, skip down to verse 9. It says, There remaineth therefore a rest to the people of God. For he that has entered into his rest, he also has ceased from his own works as God did. Let us labor therefore to enter into that rest, lest any man fall after the same example of unbelief. Now, what he means is this. You remember the Bible tells us that the Old Testament is given to us for types and shadows or examples, principles that we can understand. The principle is this. Just as God established the Sabbath and made an end of the works that he crea- of his creation in the six days of creation, he's saying just like God came to a place where he stopped working in the creation, faith comes to a place where it stops working to try to obtain the promise. Now, there's a work that faith takes part in before it ceases. Jesus tells us about that. The faith that receives healing is the faith that believes, the faith that will have healing is the faith that believes it receives healing when it prays. So the work of faith is to believe that you receive. And the promise is you'll have it. The faith that produces results is the faith that believes it receives when it prays. And Jesus guaranteed that you'll have it under those circumstances. So what is the faith or the entering into rest or the faith that rests? What is that? Well, the faith that rests, what it looks like is very simply this. It stops making confessions trying to produce results. Now, I know some people, that causes the hair on some people's neck to raise Because we have so conditioned ourselves that confession is so important. It's a key, and it is. We've so conditioned ourselves to think that confession is something that must be done continually. That a lot of people have turned confession into a work. And they think that it's a work that pleases God. But it might not be. What does the faith at rest look like? Well, the faith at rest says God has heard and answered my prayer, so there's nothing else to pray about. The faith that rests says God has heard and answered my prayer so I don't need to confess the word. Again, we're talking about healing. I don't need to confess healing to try to make healing work. See, God sees your heart. And if you, after having prayed the prayer of faith for healing, are confessing healing, trying to make healing work, then you don't really believe you received when you prayed. There's a real fine line here. But it makes all the difference in the world. Well, Pastor Mike, what about you? You believe in for healing. I believe I received my healing when I prayed. Yeah. What do you do? Do you not confess healing? Well, I don't confess healing trying to get it. I confess that God heard and answered my prayer. And so I've ceased from my own works trying to make healing occur. And Jesus guaranteed that that kind of faith would receive. That kind of faith would have healing. So what do you do? Well, you say, thank you, Father, that you heard and answered my prayer. I prayed for healing according to your word. You heard and answered that. So healing is done. As far as my part is concerned, healing is done. I may confess the word of God says Jesus took my infirmities and bore my sicknesses. And that's the basis for why you heard and answered my prayer when I prayed. But I'm not trying to confess healing to get healing. Why? Because that's not entering into rest. See somewhere along the way. You have to come to the point where you say it's done. And a lot of confessors. If you'll allow me to use that term. Are working overtime trying to make something happen. If God heard you and you believe you received when you prayed. What is there to make happen? In fact, if God heard and answered your prayer when you prayed, what is there left to do except rejoice? That's, why, that's one of the characteristics of Abraham's faith. One of the things that the Bible says in Romans chapter 4 that made Abraham strong in faith or was evidence that his faith was strong. It says in Romans chapter 4 verse 20, and being strong in faith, speaking of Abraham and being strong in faith, he glorified God. He gave glory to God. For what? For what he couldn't see. See, Abraham came to the understanding that there's nothing he could do to turn back the clock. He was 100 years old. There's nothing he could do to turn back the physical circumstances of his body. He had to leave it completely up to God. And so he had to come to the place where he said, well, I've got the promise of God to have a son. Even though I'm 100, God knows how old I am. Just like God knows your circumstance, what you're standing against. He knows the diagnosis. He knows how sickness and disease works better than the doctor does. God knows all those things when he said, Jesus took your infirmities and bore your sicknesses. And with his stripes, Jesus' stripes, you were healed. Now, where is past tense? Where is something that was done that provides a present tense blessing? For that cause, we can believe in what Jesus has done for our present tense faith as a foundation for our present tense faith. But see, somewhere along the way, you have to say, God heard and answered the prayer. It's going to be the faith that receives. Somewhere along the way, you have to say, you know, this is already done. Now, here's one thing that I found that the devil will work overtime. And that is, he'll try to get you all worked up to make you think you're not confessing enough. That you're not believing strongly enough. And he'll try to get you, if he can't get, keep you from believing the word to begin with, he'll try to get you working overtime. You better confess more. You better say it more. Now, what's he doing? He's trying to get you in a frame of mind to obtain healing through your own works instead of what Jesus has done. Yeah, but Pastor Mike, we're saying what the word says. To what end? Concerning the Jesus cursing the fig tree. How many times do we see Jesus speaking to the tree? Didn't he just say one time one thing? Didn't he just say one time no man eat fruit of thee hereafter forever? Now these disciples have been with him all night long. If Jesus has been confessing that tree's dead, that tree's dead, that tree's dead, that tree's dead. All night long don't you know they'd know it? Don't you know it wouldn't be a surprise to them when they see the tree dead the next morning? Don't you know they would have been on their toes looking for that tree rather than just having to notice, wait a minute, this was the tree that was here yesterday and full of life. Now it's dead and dried up from the roots. There would have been no surprise and certainly would have been, would not have been any question on Peter's mind about what caused that tree to happen. Peter might have said, Oh, that's why you said that, that made that confession about the tree all night long. But he didn't. In other words, Jesus said to the tree one time, and cease from his works concerning the tree. That's the kind of faith that receives. That's the kind of faith that obtains. That's the kind of faith that Hebrews 11 is talking about when it goes to the whole hall of fame heroes of faith. By faith this one obtained the promise. By faith this one obtained the promise. By faith this one obtained the promise. What kind of faith? Well the only kind of faith that pleases God. The faith that enters into rest and ceases from its own works. Even the works of confession. Even the works of confession. Now folks, if you really believe that God heard and answered your prayer, what is there left to do except rejoice? Don't let the devil talk you out of that. That is such a key. Don't let the devil talk you into thinking that you've got to keep saying it and keep saying it and keep saying it and keep saying it because if you don't say it, it won't won't work. Well if it's based on how many times you say it Then you don't believe God heard and answered your prayer Your faith is in hope Your faith is in the future That when you say it enough All of a sudden a bell will ring in heaven Ding, 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 ding They won the prize That's not how faith works The faith that obtains The faith that pleases God Is the faith that rests What does resting faith look like? Resting faith says, I believe God heard and answered my prayer. So I simply rejoice. I simply rejoice. Abraham was strong in faith, giving glory to God. What's he doing? He's rejoicing. What for? Because it's out of his hands. But he's got the promise of God. And he was more persuaded of what God said in the circumstances that he could see and the feelings that his body produced. He was more convinced of the truth and the integrity of God's word and God's promise. So shall your seed be. That the only thing left for him was to give glory to God for things that he could not yet see. Make any sense to you? Faith, present tense faith, receiving faith, ceases from its own works. Tell you what let's do. Let's all stand and just start thanking God, whatever you believe in God for. You believe that God heard and answered you when you prayed? So let's just lift our hands and glorify God. Hallelujah. Let's follow Abraham's example. Oh, Father, it's so good to be healed. Thank you that you've heard and answered our prayer. Thank you that your word is true. Thank you that our needs are met. Whatever these people are believing for, Father, whatever they're standing for individually, we give you glory. It's so good to be healed, Father. Thank you so much for hearing and answering our prayer. Thank you for your word that is an absolute sure foundation for what we believe. Oh, Father, it's so good to know that the work is done. Not dependent on us, We simply acted in faith. We simply believed we received our healing when we prayed. So now it's all in your hands. Thank you, Father, that according to Jesus, we shall have what we believe we receive. We shall have our healing. We shall have the finances that we believe for. We shall have a change in the family situations that we're standing for. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Father. We glorify you, Lord Jesus. We glorify you as our healer. Oh, it's so good to be healed, Lord. So good to be healed. So good to be healed. Now, Lord Jesus said, when we pray, believe we receive healing and we'll have healing. The having the healing is up to you. We don't know how that works. We don't know if that comes little by little. We don't know if it'll come all at one time in a moment of time. That's out of our hands, Father. We just thank you that according to Jesus we'll have it. Hallelujah. We believe that you heard and answered our prayer, Lord. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Lord, we bless you. We magnify your name. It's so good to be healed, Lord. We're not under the curse. We're not under the curse. For Jesus has set us free. For sickness, we have health. For poverty, we have wealth. Because Christ has ransomed thee. Hallelujah. 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 Blessed be the name of Jesus. Blessed be the name of Jesus. We glorify you, Lord Jesus. We thank you for your goodness. We thank you that you're so good. You're a merciful, merciful God. Hallelujah. We bless you, Lord Jesus. You know, this is exactly what the Bible says that Paul and Silas did in prison in Acts chapter 16. said at midnight, after being beaten at midnight, Paul and Silas prayed and sang praises unto God for the the prisoners heard them. Well, what did they pray about? Well, what would you pray about if you were in jail? When you pray to get out. Notice they didn't just stop with praying. They added praise to it. Now what in the world would cause them to praise God. In the middle of prison after they prayed. They believed God heard and answered their prayer. And suddenly there was a great earthquake. Suddenly. Sometimes it's suddenly. Not always. Sometimes it's suddenly. Healing can come suddenly. Healing can come progressively. Gradually. There's no rule book that says it will have to be one way or the other. But there is a guarantee. Written in heaven that it will be. And at midnight Paul and Silas prayed and sang praises unto God. And the prisoners heard them. They were loud enough about glorifying God. that The prisoners knew what was going on. And when the earthquake took place. And everybody's chains fell off. Everybody's socks fell off their feet and everybody's prison doors flew open. Nobody moved. There's only one way you can explain that. And that is they heard them pray. They heard them sing praises unto God. They knew exactly why everybody was now loose. So they're waiting to see what these guys are going to do next. Nobody goes running out. Prisoners. Sure not necessarily, at least not all of them are the nicest people in the world. Criminals, nobody moves. They've been arrested by the evidence of two men's prayers and praises coming to pass. Oh, Father, let our answers to prayer have the same impact on those around us. Hallelujah. Lord, we lean back on you. We rest and cease from our own works. (sighs) Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord, that you're doing the work. We don't have to. We can't. But we get to trust you. We get to believe that you have heard and answered our prayer. Thank you, Lord, for honoring your word. In Jesus' precious name. Say it after me. I believe I receive my healing. I believe God heard and answered my prayer. So I cease from my own works. I lean back on him. There's nothing left for me to do but to praise God for the answer. Thank you, Father, for the answer. Thank you that I'm healed by the stripes of Jesus. Amen. 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 Quit trying to do it for him. Lean back on him and thank him for doing it and watch him work. Amen. That's the faith that rests. Glory to God. Hallelujah. It's good to be healed. Not according to what we can see and feel, but because we know God's word is true. Hallelujah. Well, God bless you. Thank you for being with us. Have a great week.